0: The following message was recorded at Covenant Presbyterian Church in Oviedo, Florida. Covenant is a congregation of the Presbyterian Church in America, a community committed to seeing the gospel
1: deeply rooted in our lives and in the lives of our neighbors in the Oviedo area. We welcome you to visit us on Sunday mornings in Oviedo or anytime online at cpcoviedo.com.
0: Our sermon text this morning is from Galatians chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. born under the law, to redeem those who are under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Well, I'm so twisted around by the inaccurate scripture reference up there that I forgot my Bible. I visited a really, really large church once, noticed all their sophisticated equipment and, and uh, flawless production values, and there was a mistake in their slides, and I was so happy <laughs> that doesn't reveal the best part of me. Um, I am so twisted around here that I first went to <laughs> Revelation, and then I went to Matthew. Uh, but I'm finding our way. Um, let's pray together. Father, we do celebrate the gift that you gave and have given and are giving in your Son. Uh, we pray that you would give us the grace to rest in him, to receive him, to treasure him, and to find delight in all that this means and in the hope that he brings we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'd like to suggest that today is a day of laughter. It's a good day to laugh. Um, hopefully there will be laughter in your uh, celebrations today. It's a day of laughter, though, for many reasons, not just because your funny uncle is coming to spend the day with you. and uh, It's not a, although that may be true, it's... Um, it's not a day of laughter because, you know, you're tickled pink by some particular gift that you receive in your stocking or under the tree. It's all of those things, of course, but it's a day of laughter because Jesus is the focal point of some very happy news. And in this, it's this news that was causing laughter even in the years before he actually came. And yet at the same time, I'm also aware that this day for many is a day in which laughter is very hard to come by. Uh, we come into this day experiencing or having experienced loss or sadness. There's loneliness. And so I do want to frame our thoughts this morning around the idea of laughter. But in so doing, I'm not trying to mock the sorrow that is very real for many of you, that you feel very deep down in the core of your being. You know, those things that hurt, hurt, because this world is not everything that it's supposed to be. And yet, and yet, I want us to pick up our eyes, to lift up our, our thoughts, to see the light. Maybe it's a wee light to us. Maybe it appears simply as a candle glowing uh, ever more brightly. But this Christmas, I want us to pick up our eyes, to look, to see Jesus, to find in him laughter, because it's God's gift of his Son It's in God's gift of his son to make us children, and there, there is the very rich cause for laughter. As as Elizabeth has already alluded to, as we talk about Jesus, we talk about him coming, we talk about him having come, we we talk about him coming again. Um, It's very important that we frame that in terms of who it is we're talking about. So we need to build that foundation first, and as we look at our text here in, in uh, Galatians 4, this is a letter from, from the Apostle Paul to some churches. And here is, here is someone who was trying to orient churches who were new to Christianity in the things that were true. He's trying to orient this church to what is foundational so that those who are trying to twist them this way or twist them that way uh, would, would fail in that effort because he wanted them and their joy, and their happiness, and their laughter to be firmly rooted where it meant to be. So it's important as we come to this text that we let it remind us that Jesus Christ is the eternal Son of God. Um, The heart of the text here in verse 4 says this, When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who are under the law. And we'll get to various pieces of this. This is a pretty standard Christian understanding of Christmas, right? That we celebrate the birth of Jesus, although we really don't know what day his birthday was. I know what day my birthday was. I, but December 25th, however, is the day we celebrate his birthday, but the thing is, we take that into you know, we, we take that with sort of, okay, this is Jesus' birthday. We should be stunned by it. Because the text tells us that it is in Jesus that God sent his son. God sent his son. Uh, the son was not created. The son did not, you know, was not a product of God's creative work like the tree in my front yard is. Uh, God sent his son. Nor was the son someone whom God just decided one morning, I like that guy, I'm going to call him my son. No, God sent his son. You don't send something that you don't already have, that does not already exist, that is not already present with you. God sent his son, the son was, existed, before he was sent. The son, in fact, is one who has always been. The one who was sent was the Son of God, who always was and always has been. You know, we're touching here, this text touches, and Christmas touches upon the mystery of the Trinity, that there is one God, there is one God, eternal through all time, eternal and infinite, eternal and unchanging in and his being, wisdom, power, holiness, justice, goodness, and truth. There is one God, but that one God is manifested to us in three persons. And that truth is beyond us, and yet it's precious to us. The Son here, the Son who was born, was sent in the fullness of time, but he always has been and never ceased to be God. So whatever you might think about Jesus, and in this world we have many thoughts about him, we put him in different boxes and we understand him in different categories, you have to hold on to this And work this into your understanding, and to consider Christmas with a tinge of awe, that the one whose coming we celebrate is God himself. We celebrate the coming of the one who always has been. He was and is and always will be God eternal. And we need to keep that in mind. This one we celebrate is God And yet, as well, without being altered in any way, without abandoning any bit of being God, without shifting or changing, Jesus Christ became a man. And that's that's a key part of our text as well. Again, verse 4, when the fullness of time had come. That means when it was the right time for God. When God determined it was the right time, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, in the natural way. He was born of a woman, the same as all of us. This preexistent divine being became a man through the normal process of human birth. In fact, everything that is true of you as being a human apart from sin was true of him. And that little bit of information should blow our minds as well. He didn't cease to be God, but he was a man, fully a man. He had to be potty trained. He had to be taught to walk. You know, everything that he needed to learn to talk. He went through all the normal stages of human development. And as a person, as a man, he also knew sadness. He knew anger. He knew joy. He knew delight. He was like you and me, just like you and me. The world, us, we, were given someone divine who at the same time could fully sympathize with us and with our experience. I was thinking about a woman named Donna that I knew years ago. She oversaw... a a home where young women who were pregnant and in trouble and wanted to keep their babies and did not want to abort them but for some reason could not stay at home she oversaw this home where they could come and live and see the child see through birth there was nowhere else they could go and donna before she took over this responsibility had suffered a lot there had been a lot of loss in her life she knew pain she knew sorrow she knew rejection So that when these young women would come and would begin to unburden themselves to her, she could sympathize with them. She had been in similar places where they had been. She could comfort them from a place of understanding. She, in many ways, was like them. Jesus, in those ways, is like us. He has been where you are. He understands what it is like to be you. He knew joy, but he knew pain. He knew friendship, but he also knew betrayal. And again, it's difficult for us to understand that one who is fully God is also fully man, but that's a part of what Christmas is, and it's a beautiful part of what Christmas is. It is what Christmas is, that the the eternal Son of God became a person born of a woman like you and me. Jesus is God, fully present in the man Jesus Christ. Now, that all is true. And even though Elizabeth said, yeah, you already know that's true, you know we have to be reminded of it. We have to be reminded of it. It is a piece of information that blows our minds and we too easily forget because we try to make everything in our lives fully comprehensible and understandable and when we try to do that, those things which are true of God in all his infinity sometimes get pushed out and we forget to include them. This child we celebrate and this king who will return is fully and completely a human person who is in possession of all the fullness of deity. And we ought not to forget that. But then the question becomes, why in the fullness of time did God send forth his son born of a woman? He did so to free those who were in bondage, to free the bound. The text says he was born under the law no, to redeem those who were under the law. He was born of a woman born under the law to redeem those who were under the law. Now, there's the word for you, right? Redeem. Uh, Again, Elizabeth has given a great illustration of that. Uh, You know, this miracle we call the incarnation, this, this, this this reality by which God, the divine Son of God, uh, became man in Jesus Christ, the Son taking on humanity, humanity, he did so for the purpose of redemption. To redeem is to set free, but we set free at a cost. In this case, Jesus, the Son of God, placed himself in human flesh and placed himself under the demands of his own law, he was born under the law so that he might keep the law as he alone could do on behalf of those whom he now whose whose essence he now represented and possessed he did so that he might set free those who were under the law If we are under the law and we are expected to keep all the demands of the law and we are failing to do so, we fall under the condemnation of the law. He came so that we might be set free from those demands by keeping the demands himself. And he kept those demands so that now there is no condemnation for you who are in Christ Jesus. He set you free from those demands. He set you free from the condemnation. We still don't, we're still not the people we need to be. We are still not all that we need to be. But he has fully met the demands of the law to set us free from the demands of the law. You know, we are, we are, we are burdened, some of us, by the shoulds. Others of us believe that we have really accomplished everything. What kind of pie was it that little Jack Horner was eating over in the corner. I had forgotten that. I had to look it up. It was a Christmas pie. (laughs) And what did he do? He stuck in his thumb and pulled out a plum. And what did he say? What a good boy am I. And, you know, we can go in either extreme. We can lead ourselves down this path where we say, oh man, I am, I've got to be good, I've got to be good, I've got to be good, I've got to be good so God will accept me. I should do this, I should do that, I should do that. Oh, I'm not doing that. And we are so burdened by that. We need to be set free. And God sent his son that we might be set free from that because Jesus kept it. The other side is we're just sitting there in the corner looking at all the rest of the scum of the earth and sticking our thumb in the Christmas pie and pulling out the an plum and said, I am such a good guy. I really have it all together. You're in bondage too because you're in bondage to a lie. None of us can keep the law. None of us born under the law can keep the law. That's why God became a man to redeem us, to set us free from both extremes. And he has done so wonderfully and beautifully. Why? So that you might be free, that you might know the freedom that comes with redemption. And ultimately, that we might laugh in that freedom. But redemption is only part of the story. Because notice what Paul says, um, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth the son born of the woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive the adoption as sons. Um, You know, Jesus makes us children, gives us the privilege of sonship. God sent his son to make us his son, to give us the privilege of sons, not simply to redeem you from your performance and bondage to to the shoulds, but to give you the freedom that comes to the children in the household. Not just to set you free from duty, but to give you a key to the house that you might walk in, grab some chips, sit down on the couch and turn on the TV, even though you may have holes in your jeans and haven't had a shower in several days. Because that's what children are free to do. You don't knock, you walk in. You know? You have freedom. You're a child of God. You have been granted that. Never forget that. We need to live our lives in the freedom of knowing that wherever, whatever extreme we come from, Jesus, who came as a man, who redeemed us from the law, has adopted us as children so that we might know that we have security. You know, there are going to be times where I walk over here and I'm all snooty and I'm looking down at other people. I'm still a child of God. And I may end up walking over here where I'm looking at myself and saying, oh, I have done it again. I am such a worthless person. And I may fail. I may fail. I will fail. But you know what? I am still a child of God in my failure and in my arrogance. I'm still a child of God. Notice the progression of thought here. You know, if I say, um, I'm going to go to the store to buy some cream cheese, um, I doubt if the ultimate goal there is to be in possession of cream cheese. Look at me, I've got some cream cheese. I mean, this is like the epitome of life, I have my cream cheese. No, I'm going to the store to get the cream cheese to something else for some other grander reason. And in in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son. Notice progression. It's moving to something high and exalted to redeem those who are under the law so that they might receive adoption as sons. That's the grandest privilege that you can think about. You are freed from the obligations of the law. Jesus has fulfilled those. You are freed from the condemnation of the law because Jesus has absorbed that on the cross. You are the free children of God. And that is full of implications that we do not have time to talk about this morning. Holding on to that is not easy. And I want to just drive that home this morning as we open. Everyone who hears will laugh over me. Not at her, by the way. This was the laugh of joy. The laugh of, do you believe what has really happened? I'm 90 years old and I just gave birth to a kid. That's just delightful. It was happy. And you know what the name Isaac meant? The name Isaac means laughter. And you, people of God, are like Isaac. You are children of God. We could call you laughter. There is a sense in which that is what we are to see in ourselves. That we are the remarkable, amazing, um, unbelievable, and may I say it, inconceivable uh, 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 children of God. God born in a way that we could never imagine, we could never predict, we could never even think was possible. But we have been born again, given a new life by the power of God. There is wonder and delight in that. There is laughter. Sometimes we have to laugh through our tears, and sometimes laughter is hard, and sometimes it may even feel impossible for us, especially on Christmas. I understand that. But again, I want to take our, our, uh, you you know, I need somebody occasionally to take my head and say, stop looking at that. Look at this. Look at what is true. Look at what is real. Because that is what ultimately is real. Laughter is the end of it all. Laughter is that for which Jesus was born. So I encourage you to laugh as those who are free. Children who are welcome in the household of God. Laugh with delight. Laugh like Isaac. Your name is laughter. So the end then of the story, that is the Christmas story, is laughter. And I want us to get there. We are children given freedom, and our hearts may be full of sorrow, but it's Christmas. There's cause for laughter. Malachi uses an illustration of the calves being freed from the stall and i don't know any of us who maybe have ever had the experience of letting calves free from the stall i haven't but i've had dogs and i remember addie we'd let her outside and she'd go running around the backyard like she she you know had lost her little mind because there was there was joy in that freedom and she was free to do so so be as the the calves leaping released from the stall this redemption is a call into laughter and maybe we can only taste it a wee bit now and maybe only for a moment but something so inconceivably good has been given to you that in the end, you will laugh. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for the good news. May we indeed hold it and treasure it in our hearts as genuinely good as you are good.